Every married couple's unique. You're an us. And whether you're loving your us, wondering if your us is going to make it, or somewhere in between, every couple at some level wants to become their best us. But do you know how? Good morning, everybody. Uh, I am Jimmy George. I don't know why I misused my last name. Uh, it's two, there's two different names. There's a first and last name there. So uh, before we get started, I want to go back and celebrate uh, Pastor Matt for the hard work that he put into the first two weeks of our series, especially the last week. Uh, he took a rather difficult topic for some and taught it with grace. And so I would just love for us to give him a round of applause today before we get started because... I love that guy. He's great. I was nervous for him. Uh, but if you weren't here last week or this is your first time here with us today, we are in the last week of our three-part series called Your Best Us. When you got married, you went from being a me to an us with your spouse. And over the last two weeks, we've been talking about principles or habits that you can implement into your relationships uh, so that you can uh, be on track to becoming your best us um, and if you're married, or even if your us seems a little bumpy today, uh, go ahead, if your spouse is sitting next to you, and give them a little squeeze on the leg, uh, just to let them know that you are still there with them. Good job, I saw that one over there. Um, you, uh, if you've ever heard a marriage message before, or a marriage series before, um, you may have expected uh, the big and common topics like communication, compatibility, conflict, re conflict resolution, or chemistry, that's my favorite part. Um, and with all of these uh, are definitely keys to having a thriving us. But during this series, we are taking a look at the ones that are a little bit less talked about. Um, but they are crucial to you becoming your best us. And even if your us seems to be a little broken, there is still hope for you. Now, quick disclaimer. Um, if, you've been if you've already been divorced, maybe you've been divorced twice, or maybe you've been divorced 29 times, um, I want to remind us all that this message and this whole series has been about helping couples be more successful starting today so that 29 doesn't become number 30. Can we all agree on that's okay to talk about that in here? Uh, and so no matter your history, no matter your current circumstances, uh, no matter how you feel about your marriage today or how, how you might feel about your marriage in the future, this message and this series has to be viewed through that lens. And so in week one, we talked about how kindness changes Everything. For example, just a minute ago, if you squeezed your spouse's leg a little bit too hard, this may be for you that week. If you accidentally squeezed the stranger next to you, uh, things are weird now for you and them. That wasn't my fault. You should pay attention. Uh, but last week, we talked about having serious fun, and this was more of a PG-13 message. And if you missed that one, it was about gardens and fountains and milk and honey and gazelles and enjoyable, cute fawns. It was a good one, so much that my son Solomon said that he would never use the word fun again. And he hasn't. Uh, but you can go back and watch any of those uh, sermons on our website. Well, today we're going to be talking about habit number three, uh, which is practicing your promise. Now, when you get married, when you've got married, you've made some pretty big promises when you said your I do's. Uh, if you're not married, if and when you get married, you will end up making some big promises to your future spouse. But how do we keep those promises? 
We're going to get into all that today, but before we do, I want to again remind everyone about some amazing people that we have in here. We've done this every single week. Here at Relevant, we have a great marriage support team whose purpose is to help marriages, help prepare marriages, help enrich marriages, help even restore broken marriages. Because, hey, let's be honest with one another, marriage isn't always cupids and hearts and squishy things, and well, some of them are squishy things constantly, um, but we will go through hard times. It's going to happen, and so this team is here to support you, but a question that we often get is, well, what do you have for marriages here at Relevant then? Well, the best way to access all of our marriage support is through our Relevant app, and from there, you can see the different classes you can take throughout the year. You can, you can purchase some books from Amazon that we recommend that will help uh, fuel your marriage. You can read uh, things about some getaways. You can even contact us via email when you need some help. Um, we will continue to add things as time goes on. But I'm so thankful for everyone on our marriage support team because they are rooting for you. We're rooting for you. And so can we give our marriage support teams and everyone on there a big round of applause as well. They work really, really hard. And they pray a lot for all of you in here. Now, there's something I need to clarify um, if just a second ago you noticed the girl in the wedding dress uh, on that animated phone thing, um, that's not my wife. Uh, that's Pastor Matt's wife. He would not change that for me today. And so as to avoid confusion, here's a picture of my wife. Isn't she beautiful? Sometimes I get lost just staring at her. Uh, but next, next week we're going to be celebrating... 18 years together of marriage. We've made it so far. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but I love that woman. I've told a lot of stories about us along the way. Uh, but I would like to, I, I'd like to say, I don't think I've really shared how we actually met. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. She's not here during the first gathering because she's nervous about this one. But this is a safe place. Is this a safe place? Uh, my wife and I first met in a hotel. Um, I was there for business, she was there for business, and one afternoon around 2.55 p.m., she came walking through the front doors of that hotel, and we met, and we kept meeting there several times a week. Why are you laughing, Mitch? <laughs> and for those of you who are getting the wrong idea, we were not having serious fun there. We both worked there. It was over in Council Bluffs at a hotel there. Um, I don't know where your brains are, Mitch. Uh, but I was the maintenance man, and she was the front desk clerk, and we spent a lot of time working together at that hotel, and I started liking her a lot. And something that, but something that really bothered me about her, though, was that she would always call the boss. Like, she was always on the phone with the boss and telling on me for taking naps in the hotel rooms. Uh, but I knew that early on I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. The problem was I was dating somebody else. We all know how that turned out because a few years later we were standing before a pastor and saying our I do's and making some really big promises in St. Joe, Missouri. A really cool town. Uh, and our marriage has been perfect ever since. No hiccups, no fights, no disagreements. I've never annoyed her. We always get along and it's been never-ending bliss. Wrong. Uh, how many of you know that marriage can be awesome when it's awesome? Let's raise our hands if you're married. How many of you know that marriage can be awesome when it's awesome? 
Now, the next question I want to ask, I definitely would not raise your hand, uh, but how many of you know that marriage can be awful when it's awful? Again, don't, don't even move. Like, don't even turn your head. Just keep looking forward. I wouldn't even breathe right now. It's safe that way. Just don't respond, men. Well, Pastor Matt opened with a quote last, the last couple of weeks, and so I figured, well, I'd throw a couple in there, too, because that's kind of fun. Um, here's a quote. When you see a married couple walking down the street, the one that's a few steps ahead is the one that's mad. <laughs> How many of us know that to be true? That was by some girl named Helen Rowland. And here's another one. My husband and I have never considered divorce. Murder sometimes, but never divorce. <laughs> Dr. Joyce Brothers. And one of my favorite ones that I've seen recently, if the grass seems greener on the other side, water your own lawn. And this guy right there said that. We decided his name was Alfred uh, the other day. But I've married quite a few people at this point in my life as a pastor uh, to mentor them, to counsel them, to help them get unstuck. Most of these couples I enjoy and every couple has their own story, and every couple has their own background and family dynamics, and every ha uh, couple has their own history and their own baggage that each of them bring into the relationship. And just when you think you're done unpacking those bags, oh, look, there's another suitcase. What's in that one? Things blow up. All couples have different intentions for getting married, their own understanding of marriage. Some uh, view marriage as a forever commitment, and others view it as a conditional commitment. But every couple is unique, and there are two things that I've noticed that all things have in common. And every couple, every married couple on their wedding day, whether that's in a church with a pastor or in a courthouse with a judge or maybe in Las Vegas in front of Elvis, whether they meant to or not, uh, every couple who have made some pretty big promises to each other. I, Jimmy, promise to take you, Amanda, to be my wedded wife. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better and for worse, for richer and for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. I promise when things are good, I promise when things are bad, I promise when you are healthy, and I promise when you're sad, and I promise to love you, I promise to cherish you, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. And it's a happy day, and it's probably the, the best day of all of our life. But let's be honest, we were all pretty naive when we got married. Once the honeymoon ends, many couples realize that falling in love and staying in love are two different things. And keeping those vows is difficult, and it's much more difficult than we thought. We really didn't know what we were doing or saying, and all we knew is that we were in love, and nothing was going to ever pull us apart. And our love is going to be the best love, and our love will be better than our parents' love, and our, our love will be better than our friends' love, and, and heck, our love is going to be better than anything the world has ever seen. We were in love. However, if you got married in front of Elvis in Las Vegas, I don't, maybe you were, but I don't know if maybe you were in love. You might have been intoxicated. I don't know. I'm just saying. My wife told me not to make that joke. It just, it still came out. I'm sorry. No offense there. Uh, the second thing that all married couples have in common is whether or not you've been married for one year or ten years or a hundred years, which would be a mystery to me, every married couple is either moving to or away from those promises. Every single conversation, every word said to your spouse, 
every action taken, and every thought that you think about your spouse is either leading you to or away from those promises. Think about that for a second. And unfortunately, not every couple is able to hold it together and cross the finish line of till death do us part. In fact, we've all probably heard these statistics before that uh, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And why is that? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, I bet, but I believe that the main contributing factor is due to the pressures of the culture in which we live. Because culture leads us to believe that we deserve complete fulfillment and perfect happiness, and our spouse should provide that. And if we're not getting that from them, then, well, we probably need to go get it somewhere else. Well, what do you mean by that, Jimmy? I will, I, will, I will answer that question that you just asked me. Well, think about this. We live in a culture of performance and a culture of me. Well, what's a culture of performance? Well, culture says that marriage is a 50-50 commitment. But a commitment's based upon conditions, meaning you do your part and I'll do mine. I'll give my 50 and you give your 50. And culture says, if at any point you don't give your half, well, then I'm not giving mine. Does that sound good? Okay, I do. That's a culture of, prom- of not promise, performance. Well, then what's a culture of me? Well, there's very little in our culture today that promotes unity. All over the TVs, everything we listen to, there's nothing that promotes unity. It actually encourages just the opposite. Culture pr- promotes individuality, my needs, my wants, my desires, my feelings, my future, my dreams, my career. Culture encourages a me mindset, not an us mindset. To love myself first, take care of me first. Self-love, there's t-shirts, self-love, self, 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 self. And I start thinking maybe What I need is somewhere else. But here's the thing about culture. Culture is selfish. Culture is seductive. Culture is enticing. And culture is divisive. And it's so tempting. It's so tempting. But if we're not careful... If you are not careful, it will suck you right into believing its lies and it's going to begin to put a wedge between you and your spouse and it will do everything it can to stop you from ever reaching your promised finish line of till death do us part. When preparing for this message, there were a lot of different directions that I could have gone from here. Uh, And when I got to this point in my planning, I asked myself, Well, what would be the most helpful to everybody in here today? Because I know that this room is full of all different kinds of people on the marital spectrum. There's single, there's engaged, there's married, there's barely married, there's divorced, there's almost divorced. And there's some who follow Jesus and others who don't, some who are just exploring Jesus. There's a lot that we could talk about from this point. But at my desk in my notebook, I decided to write, How to Practice Your Promise. And I started thinking and praying and talking to my wife. 
Remember about all my conversations that I've had with you over the years, thinking through my own experiences, things that I've learned from other successful married couples, and I started to make a list. And my list included things like why you need to pursue your spouse every single day. Because there is someone that is winning your spouse's heart. Is it going to be you or somebody else? And I wrote down how to fight right. Like how to fight for your relationship not to win the argument. I really wanted to talk about setting up guardrails that protect your marriage from infidelity. Things like... Well, to keep you from that physical or emotional infidelity. Things like why never eating alone with a member of the opposite sex is a good idea. Or why riding in a car alone with a member of the opposite sex is a good idea. Or why not confiding in or having a best friend that's a member of the opposite sex is a good idea. I wanted to make it entirely about forgiveness. Because you're going to need a lot of that in your marriage. And all of these are great ways to practice our promises, but those are just too much fun to talk about. And plus, last week, Matt already talked about fawns, so I can't talk about that. Those of you here last week laugh at that, others still confused. And so what I did normally at this point in my sermon, sermon planning, I crawled out of my chair, and I laid on the floor by my desk at home, and I took a nap. I write most of my sermons while sleeping. It's true. I don't know how it works that way, but it does. And while laying there, something began stirring in my heart, and I felt like God was saying this to me. Just remind everyone how to love and what love takes. You see, when a marriage falls apart, oftentimes couples claim that it was because they just fell out of love. Or some say they just simply ran out of love. And that always makes me sad inside because when you, when you think about your car, when your car runs out of gas, you don't just abandon it there and go get a new one. You go to the gas station and you fill it back up. And if there seems to be no gas station in sight, what do you do? You, you call for help to come get you and take you back to the gas station so that you can fill back up your tank. And let's be honest, I know that some of you in here probably have two miles to E. Usually it's the women that drive that way, but it's because their husbands aren't filling their tank before it gets that far down, if you know what I'm saying. Others of you are sitting on the side of the road because your car has run out of fuel, but here's the thing. If your car is completely out of fuel right now, that tank can be filled back up. But here's the thing. If your tank is empty, it may take a little bit longer to fill it back up, but it can be full again. You may even have to call for help, call that tow truck, but there is hope for your marriage. There is hope for your car to run again. And so I want to take us back to a very famous chapter in the Bible that I'm sure most of you have heard time and time again, and it's probably the most beloved chapter in the Bible about our topic today. It's recited weekend after weekend, ceremony after ceremony, and it's usually read before a couple promises all of their I do's. And since we've been talking about fuel at a gas station, when you go get gas, you can choose the different quality of fuel for your tank. 
This is like choosing octane number 91. This is the premium choice. And your car will run its best on this type. And so how do we love? Or what is love? And how do we love, have a love that lasts till death do us part? And so in the second half of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. Patience means waiting, allowing time or long-suffering. And patience understands that everyone fails and that life just takes time. And patience knows that there will be a bad day and a good day. There's bad days and good days, misunderstandings, hurt feelings, mistakes. Patience knows that. But patience also allows another chance. Patience gives your spouse the permission to be human, to fail, to grow, and to fail again, and to learn. Patience understands that God is transforming your spouse just like he is transforming you and your imperfections. Love is patient. Love is kind. I love the definition that Pastor Matt provided for this two weeks ago. He said that kindness is being considerate of how the other person feels all the time. With every word you speak, with every gesture you make, we got some really good gestures that we make at each other in our marriages, don't we? How you respond, the way that you talk about your spouse when your spouse is not there. Kindness is considerate of how your spouse feels at all times. Some, some couples speak words to each other that are just so damaging and unkind and divisive. We see it all the time, but kindness is very delicate with its words and actions. And when you are kind to your spouse, your spouse will want to return kindness. Love is kind. And love doesn't envy. Envy is a common struggle for most of us and most people that can even show up between spouses. Well, how can I be jealous of my spouse? Well, it happens all the time. It shows up when somebody else gets something that we want, and instead of being happy for them, we burn with jealousy, and we begin to think negative thoughts about them, and envy can grow through comparison, like comparing our marriage or maybe comparing our spouse and what somebody else's spouse has or does. And this can begin to turn us against each other. And I know that a lot of affairs start with envy. But love doesn't envy. Love is content right where it's at with what it has in all things. Love doesn't boast. And boasting is magnifying ourselves and our own accomplishments. Like, look at me, look what I did. Look at me. Look what I can do. And our spouse is just always back there behind us, and we're just puffing our chests. But love turns the attention outward, back to our spouse. Because love is focused on the loved one, not itself. It's not even half focused on itself. It's fully focused on the loved one. And love doesn't care about who gets the credit and this kind of love will magnify your spouse, and it turns it into look at what he did or look at what she did. Look at her accomplishments. I'm so proud of you. It focuses on their needs and offers help with no thought of recognition and no need for recognition. Love is not proud 
Pride snuffs out relationships. We've all seen it. And pride is when a person views themselves better than others. And this also shows up in our marriages. We can be prideful in front of our spouse or to our spouse. But pride is saying, I'm too good to admit my fault. Even when admitting my fault could potentially fix the tension between us and reconcile our relationship. Pride won't do that. Here's a question for married people. Are you too good to admit when you're wrong? Why? If it could fix the problem. Or do you consider your husband or wife to be somewhat inferior to you? See this all the time. Maybe in appearance, intelligence, task management, or how they handle difficult life circumstances. Maybe you're just, real, you're just better than them at everything. At what cost will you continue to puff yourself up? Love humbles itself and reconciles relationships at whatever cost. And love is not dishonoring. I could spend weeks on this one. But every husband and wife know things about each other that they could use to humiliate them in front of those people, in front of your friends, in front of your family. Or we all know things about our spouses that we could use or say to put them down. But a moment of laughter or gossip, even being at the moment when you're right at the expense of your spouse, is not worth the pain that it will bring you both. And dishonor erodes trust. Love, on the other hand, protects the reputation of others, even when they don't deserve it. Even when they are not there, love will always honor. Are you honoring your spouse at every opportunity, or are you making jokes at the expense of them? I bet some apologies are due here. Love is not self-seeking. Love is never satisfied except in the welfare of others. And love will look like saying no for me so that I can say yes to you. And when we truly love, we truly sacrifice our desires and our needs for those of our spouse. And there's going to be times when uh, maybe I cook a great breakfast for myself early in the morning. There's, you know, if you have kids, the, the older they get, the earlier you have to get up in order to avoid them that early in the morning, if you know what I'm saying. But there's times when I cook a great breakfast for myself, only to have one of my kids come in and ask me for the exact same thing. And that's fine, but the problem is what I made that day is the last of it. And so I either be selfish or I give it to my kid. Most of the time, I will struggle but hand it over to my kid. And I've given away a lot of amazing breakfast to my children to watch them throw half of it in the trash when they're finished. <laughs> and this brings me to my next one. Love is not easily angered. Anger almost never makes things better. It usually creates more problems. But when we can recognize its appearance and know that it's about ready to take over, Love knows how to restrain it. And trust me, there's reasons to be angry. There's very valid reasons to be angry. 
But love, love is wise in how it distributes that emotion. It, if, we let, if we let anger fly, it's going to write a negative chapter in our relationship book. Example, your wife backs into the garage door again, knocks off that side mirror. Or maybe your husband makes a poor financial decision with that car. And he can't seem to get his dirty laundry into the basket, although it's only two inches away. Again, love is patient here. And love would cause the anger to check his or her heart to see if maybe there's more beneath the surface that may need to be dealt with. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Another one that we could spend eternity talking about. So often people say that they love each other, but as soon as one gets angry, accusations fly, painful memories are dug up, bygones are no longer bygones, but here agains, and past sins are dug up and thrown back into others. Face like an ape throws its own poop at you in a zoo. It's terrible, and it doesn't feel that great when you get hit with it. But this is not love because love refuses to keep track. Now, obviously, we shouldn't allow people to continue to hurt or abuse us, but that's not what's being taught here. The goal is that we forgive those who have failed us, and then we let the past stay in the past. It doesn't mean that we won't remember or feel it anymore. It means that we cancel the debt. We release the offender. But my spouse has a lot of wrongs, Jimmy. You don't know my story. There's a story in the Bible where a guy named Peter asked Jesus a question about this very same thing. And Peter said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus kind of laughs and he goes, I tell you not seven times but 77 times. Now we have the number. What about the 78th time? Well, we're missing the point. Love doesn't collect ammunition. It just keeps canceling the debt. It just keeps doing it. And finally, there's four things that love does that I like to talk about. Love always protects I want you to think about your spouse if you're married. Love always protects the loved one at all cost. Mind, heart, body, and soul. It protects all those things. Love always trusts by giving the other person the benefit of the doubt even when they probably shouldn't. And love always hopes. Love sees the potential in others even if that potential is not realized for another 75 years. And love always perseveres through any trial, through any storm, any disagreement, and it has the ability to hold on during the toughest of times, and it keeps going. Love never gives up. And here's the thing about love. It doesn't even make giving up an option. And the greatest and most mysterious thing about love is that love returns with a promise. Love never fails. And so when it comes to this kind of love, 
The writers of scripture use a term that we don't often hear very much in our culture. If we talked about it more, it probably would change our culture, but it doesn't. Um, But the writers of scripture use a word that's called agape. And agape love is a choice. It's a mindset. And a mindset that moves itself into action. And agape love is not based upon conditions. And agape love is not based upon feelings. And agape love is not based upon what will be received in return. And it's not based upon whether a person deserves it or not. Agape love does whatever needs to be done for the sake of the one being loved. And the most mysterious thing about agape love is that agape love doesn't need any other reasons to love than itself. Agape love fuels itself. It keeps on loving and providing and forgiving. It keeps protecting and encouraging and forgiving and trusting and hoping and forgiving and persevering. And unless agape love forms the foundation of your relationship, over time, the natural wear and tear of time and hardship will eventually erode your union. Agape love fuels to have and to hold. Agape love fuels for richer and for poor. And agape love fuels in sickness and in health. It fuels from this day forward. And agape love fuels till death do us part. It's agape love that fuels your promise. And so as we come in for a landing today, I want to remind you about something, but I just want you to just bow your heads for a moment. I want everybody just to, you don't have to close your eyes, just look down at your feet. Um, If you're married, I want you to go back and think about your wedding day. And now picture yourself standing before the pastor or the priest or the judge and the groom, he looks so handsome. And your bride, she looks so good. I wanna ask you a question, how are you two doing? And I just wanna say that Jesus can heal anything. I've seen it and I've experienced it for myself. And my prayer is that maybe today you can get some time with your spouse and say, I need you to forgive me. Can we just put the past in the past and take a fresh start from this day forward? With everyone's head still bowed, what would that look like for you? And for everyone in here, here's the thing. Being loved gives us the capacity to give love. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. And our ability to give agape love is only possible when we've received agape love by agape love himself, who is Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things. And he wants to sustain your marriage if you just let him be the center of it. 
Now, I don't know every single person in here, but maybe you've never received that kind of love. Maybe, maybe you've been exploring Jesus for a while now, and I want to say to you that this kind of love is available for you today. The question is, do you want it? And if you've never made the decision to put your faith in Jesus, or maybe as a couple you've never made a decision to follow him together, or maybe you've walked away from him and you just need a fresh start with God today, I don't know where you're at, but you can do that today. You can receive agape love today. And if that is you, here is your opportunity. You can pray something like this right where you are. Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. I need you to help me. And I need a savior. Would you be my savior? And will you save me from myself? Please be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. Today, I am yours. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me here in just a moment, Misty will come back up and give you a next step. But my prayer for everyone today is, Jesus, will you just... Break down the walls. Will you heal relationships? Will you strengthen married couples? Will you strengthen us? Will you fill us with your agape love so that we can do the same for others? In our spouses and our future spouses, in Jesus' name, amen.